begin uh, here tonight, let's go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 10. We're going to just, uh, just do a little, again, review here of uh, some thoughts on uh, some ways in which we see uh, Mary, again, here of Bethany, uh, become one of the overcomers of the Bible and uh, known as such. Uh, Luke chapter 10 and verse number 42, just want to read this verse here before we get into a new message. We're going to be considering some thoughts on some advice that Paul gave to Timothy. Um, but before we do, let's just look at a little review. Luke chapter 10 and uh, verse number uh, 40, the Bible says, And she had a sister called Mary, which sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me alone? Bitter, therefore, that she helped me. And Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And we looked at three different ways in which I believe Mary and overcomers find themselves overcoming in life. And first of all, it's by trying to find the will of God. We find that in the life of Mary. Secondly, I believe we find in her life and others them striving to work and make effort towards the mastery, that is doing that which God would have us to do. And thirdly, we see also in this passage of Scripture that there's need for us to be listening and learning from Jesus to know what we ought to do. And so those are some thoughts from last week on being an overcomer. We see that in the life of Mary of Bethany. But I'd like us to take our Bibles here tonight, and we're going to turn to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, and we'll consider some advice that Paul gave to Timothy and again, I believe here you find in the Bible some good advice here given to him, not just as a pastor or leader, but a good advice that I believe can be a help to us here tonight. We'll begin by looking through part of 1 Timothy chapter 1, the first eight verses, and then we'll skip through some verses and read verse 18 and verse number 20. But let's begin in 1 Timothy chapter 1 here, verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord, as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went on a Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables, and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in the faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some have swerved, having turned aside to vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say or wherefore they affirm. But they know the law is good, sorry, but we know the law is good if a man use it lawfully. I want to skip to verse 18. Holding, sorry, verse 18, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went before on thee, that thou mightest, mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, 
that they may learn not to blaspheme. Tonight I'd like to look at some advice from Paul to Timothy and uh, consider here tonight some thoughts on the conduct needed to continue in the faith. The conduct needed to continue in the faith. Let's pray as we consider this thought here tonight. Father, thank you, Lord, uh, for tonight. Thank you for this time we can meet. Again, it's a brief time, uh, really a short time that we have here to meet tonight. Father, as we meet, I pray that you would just help the Word of God to be a, a help to the hearer, an encouragement to hear, and also a charge and caution to the hearer. Again, bless this time as we meet here again tonight as we consider uh, some thoughts on what Timothy was told of Paul. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're going to see here in this passage of Scripture some thoughts and some advice that I believe, again, is very helpful for people to continue in the race. Again, I believe it's, again, advice that can help us to conduct our life in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. And again, as we consider some of the advice here, I want to just pick up and look at just a few thoughts here to begin with here in verse number 3. It says, And I besought thee to buy still at Ephesus when I went unto Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to, and, uh, to fables or endless genealogies which minister Christians rather than godly edifying, which is the faith, so do ye. Now the end of commandment is charity out of pure heart and of good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of law, etc. But I just wanted to stop there. Some have swerved, having turned aside. You know, if we're not careful, we can turn aside from the faith. And this is what he's talking to Timothy about, that we need to be careful that we don't turn aside, that we don't swerve from the faith. We don't uh, get involved with things that don't really matter. Verse number four, uh, neither giving heed to fables and endless genealogies. We can get off track by focusing on things that really don't matter. As he ends the chapter, he mentions two that did certainly get off track. And he mentions here in verse number 18, this charge I commit unto thee, uh, son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went before thee, that thou mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Here we see a caution from Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy, that he needs to be careful that he doesn't as it says there in verse number 6, swerve or turn aside. Or it says there in verse number uh, 19, it says, of, of which have put away concerning the faith, have made shipwreck. And so we don't want to be in a place where we end up in a, shi a shipwreck situations. And, and it mentions here, again, two people by name, Hymenaeus and Alexander, uh, that left behind a good conscience and a, and a faith system and again, the right way, and we're now being chastened, I believe, of God through Satan. It says in verse 20, of whom Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've delivered on Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. 
Again, to be an overcomer, there's a need for us to continue in the faith, to stick with the faith, to not swerve from the faith. And so we're going to consider some thoughts here tonight that might be a help that I believe were advice to Timothy, but also to us. The first way in which we can, I believe, again, seek to be an overcomer and have an overcomer's conduct that would help us to continue in the faith was, is found verse number, in verse number 18 that we must, first of all, contend for the faith. In verse number 18, the Bible says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies who went before thee, that thou mayest war a good warfare. Uh, the first thing, again, that we must do if we're going to continue in the faith is to contend for the faith. We must war. We must be part of the faith system. We must be involved in it. We must contend for it. We must stick with it. I will look at that a little bit more here in just a moment. Secondly, we must be committed and uh, we see that in verse number 19, holding faith, holding faith. Look at that a little bit more here in just a moment. And then in verse number 20, verse number 20 I believe, again, to continue the faith, not only must be someone who contends and someone must be committed, but we also must be cautious. Any one of us could end up like a Hymenius or Alexander. Again, we can learn from the past. We can learn from this advice that Paul gives to Timothy. And so I want to begin by looking at some thoughts on contending. What it, mean, what it means to contend is to fight for something. Uh, we could fight with weapons. We could fight with warfare. We could fight with words. These all deal with contending. And so Paul says, here to Timothy in verse 18, that thou mightest war a good warfare. The goal is to war a good warfare. And certainly this is something that Paul desired for Timothy to do. To do this, he needed to contend for the faith. And that is, in this case, meant that he needed to talk to people concerning the faith. Go back to verse number three. It says, I beseech thee to abide still at Ephesus. When I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. He was to be someone who would talk to some people about their doctrinal differences. The, the doctrines that maybe they were teaching that were contrary to the word of God. And so he was to contend with them through the word of God and through the faith that he had been taught of Paul. And verse 4 it says, neither give heed to fables or endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is of faith, so do you. And so he was to contend. And uh, he was to be in a position where he would uh, speak to others concerning the faith of the scriptures. Uh, let's go forward here and uh, let's turn to the book of Jude there before the book of Revelation. You know, one of the things, again, that one must do is to really understand and identify with what is true faith, what is pure doctrine, what is right and what is wrong. These will help us to be what we can be for God. And so, again, it may be that we need to war a good warfare in this uh, position. It wasn't a war of weapons, but a war of words that Paul was to use. He was to use the Bible to contend with those who had again, started to separate themselves from the scriptures. In Jude here, Jude, verse number, uh, Jude 1, there's only one chapter. 
In verse number three, it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful to me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. And uh, again, this isn't written uh, to just anybody, but again, it's written to the beloved, it says there in verse number three. Beloved, that's those that are loved by God, those who are saved by grace, those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and it speaks to them to contend for the faith. So it's not just for the Timothys, the leaders of the churches, the ones that, again, may know the Bible to some degree uh, better maybe than some others, but maybe not, really. But there's a need to contend. And a contend means to fight or to battle or to be involved with the spiritual battle or warfare that's out there. Ephesians talks about this. But I want us to take a, a look back, if you would, in, in the Old Testament. Let's turn back to 1 Chronicles chapter 11. Again, we find in 1 Chronicles 11 some that were involved with physical warfare. And again, physical warfare is certainly different than spiritual warfare in some ways, but there are certainly some good parallels, and I, I see them with some of the mighty men that uh, served during that time. And uh, let's pick up in 1 uh, Chronicles chapter 11. And as we look at, again, this, this prophecy, the prophecies that went before thee, Paul encouraged Timothy to consider the prophecies that went before thee, that he might war a good warfare. In other words, look at the scriptures, look at the Old Testament examples, look at others that contended for the faith and, and again, uh, again, continued in the faith, and by them you can war a good warfare. First uh, Chronicles chapter 11 and verse number 10, I want to consider here some thoughts on the Old Testament and some of the mighty men and how that parallels the same kind of fight, but a little different, uh, that we fight today. Let's consider, first of all, First Chronicles chapter 11 and verse number 10 and 11. It says, These are the chief of the mighty men who David had, who strengthened themselves with their, him and his kingdom, and with all Israel to make him king according to the word of the Lord, according to Israel. And this is the number of the mighty men who David had. Jehoshabim of, and Hakamanite, uh, the chief of the captains, he lifted up his spear against 300 uh, slain by him at one time. Again, I just want to mention again, here's a man who warred a warfare. His name is Jehoshabim. And again, as he warred a, war, a good warfare, I want you to notice that he must have been a brave man. He lifted up his spear against how many men? It doesn't say one man or two men, but 300 men. 300 men against one. Again, to contend means that sometimes we're going to be contending when we're outnumbered. Again, someone might say, you know, if we went to the uh, university of whatever it is, North Dakota, South Dakota, whatever it be, might be, one of the big universities of, of the country. Uh, if we went there, we would find our, ourselves as believers outnumbered there, and we probably would. But yet, you find again this man contending, though he is outnumbered. He lifted up his spear against 300 slain by him at one time. Again, if we're going to be someone who, again, continues in the faith, we must contend for the faith, and that means we need to get in the battle of the faith. Not armed with the flesh, but armed with the Spirit, and armed with the Bible. Armed with truth to be able to contend. 
But Jehoshaphim, uh, Jehoshaphim, sorry, I want you to notice, was a brave man and was willing to contend even though outnumbered. And so if you're going to contend, you're going to have to do it, I believe, being outnumbered. We read on of another guy there in verse number 12 and uh, through verse number 14, Eliezer. And I want to read a little bit about him too because I think there's some good things that we can learn about uh, how he battled and how we need to battle. Uh, verse number 12, it says, And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, uh, an Elohite, who was one of three mighties. He was with David at Pazardim, and there, were, there the Philistines were gathered together in battle, where was a parcel of ground full of barley, and the people fled before the Philistines, and they, sat the, uh, they set themselves in the, in the midst of the parcel and delivered it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord saved them by a great deliverance. Now three of the, mighty, uh, the, three of the 30 captains that went down to the rock to David into the cave of Adullam and the hosts of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephidim. But I want you to notice here a second man who's mentioned here in this passage of scriptures. He is secondly, as I see here, someone who's a defender and also a contender. But he's a helper of David. And again, when it comes to, again, the Christian race and the Christian realm, it's need for, for us to have helpers. And again, you find here in the case of uh, Eliezer, the Bible says he was with David. In verse number 13, he was with David. And there the Philistines were gathered together in battle, and there was a parcel of ground, and the people fled before the Philistines, and they set themselves in the midst of the ground and the parcel and delivered it. Two guys stayed, other guys left, and they continued. To be one who continues in the faith, we must be willing to contend for the faith and be bold defenders as we see Eliezer stand with David to contend for the ground. And it's need for us to contend for the ground. We need to contend for, again, our nation. We need to contend for society. We need to contend for the world to do this by faith. We earnestly contend for the faith. Eliezer was a defender. He was a team player. He stood alongside with David. As other fled, he was a defender and will always be known as one that defended a land that needed defending. We read on of three captains. We pick up in verse number 15. It says, And now three of thirty captains went down to Araka to David, into the cave of Edulam, and the host of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephidim. And David was there, uh, was then in the hold, and the Philistine garrisons was then at Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one might give me drink of water of the well of Bethlehem that is at the gate. And, and the three break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. But David poured, but sorry, but David would not drink of it but poured it out before the Lord. And he said, My God forbid it that I should do this thing. Shall I drink of the blood of the men that have put their lives in jeopardy? For with jeopardy of their lives they brought it. Therefore he will not drink of it. These, thing, uh, these things did three mightiest. And so there are three captains, and David defines them as the mightiest. And these men were willing to go beyond, again, 
out of their way, go beyond and go out of their way to sacrifice even their lives to do something to be a blessing to the Lord and a blessing to David. And again, as we consider about people that contend for the faith, we find people that are willing to put their lives in jeopardy. You see that verse number 19, they put their lives in jeopardy for what? For the cause of Jesus Christ, for the cause of David, for the cause of God. These men contended for the faith. Let's turn to Acts chapter 15. We'll come back here in just a moment. Acts chapter 15. The New Testament talks about individuals that, again, were of the same kind of caliber. And again, if you think about the Christian life, it's a battle. It's not against some vacation. It's not against some uh, whatever someone might come with up to be. No, it's not, certainly not a bed of roses, whatever it might be. It's, again, a battle and a, and, and a victory to be won in the end. Uh, Acts chapter 15 and uh, verse number 25 through verse number 27, the Bible says, It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We sent therefore Judas and Silas, who also tell you of the same things by their mouth. And so the Bible mentions again here, and we learn a little bit about them, uh, Judas and Silas. The Bible mentions of them in verse 26, they hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there are missionaries that hazard their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. There are regular family members that hazard their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. There are three captains that hazarded their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ must be willing to be a contender in someone who's willing to hazard their life for Jesus Christ. These men, again, contended through, for the faith. They contended for the word. In verse 32, it says, And Judas and Silas, being prophets, tells us a little bit more about them. They were prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. And so they were preachers. So they were probably persecuted. And the hazarding of their faith was... Probably they were, again, in places just like Paul was, where they were uh, persecuted for their faith, but they continued in the faith and taught others of their faith also. Let's go back to our text there in, in First Chronicles. Again, we're looking there at First Chronicles <coughs> chapter 11. First Chronicles chapter 11. It mentions someone else here, First Chronicles chapter 11, that's worthy for us to consider as far as someone who was willing to contend or fight for the faith that he was involved with. First Chronicles chapter 11 and, and uh, verse number 20, uh, we pick up and we read about uh, one of these three chief captains there, I believe. It says, And Abishai, the brother of Joab, was chief of the three. So Abishai, for lifting up his spear against 300, he slew them. And had a name among the three. And of the three, he was more honorable than the two. But he was their captain. Howbeit he attained not to the first three. And so we see another man mentioned here. And I just want to mention about this guy. That he was willing to lead. He was willing to be in a place and position where he was willing to, to be in the battle. He again here was chief, the Bible says, of the three. He lifted up his spear against 300 and slew them. And had a name among the three. And so he, too, 
again, who was one who slayed 300, just like Josephine back in verse number 11. He was willing to contend. He was willing to fight. He was willing to be in the battle. You know, it's sad sometimes when people don't want to even engage themselves in the battle, yet they call themselves Christians. I'm not saying anyone here. I'm just saying in general. I'm just saying they want to talk about them being Christians, and yet they don't want to contend and be on the true side and work on that side and fight on that side and be a part of that, of that side. The Bible says he was a captain, but he didn't attain, the Bible says, to what the first free did. And so there'll be a difference. I just want to mention this. There may be a difference in what we can do in the battle. Some are going to be right at the forefront. Some may not be on the forefront, but they still are part of those contending. I want to mention another guy here as we read on here. Verse number 22, it mentions Benenai. And again, he too was involved uh, during David's time as being one of those who fought in battles and was part of the mighty at that time. Let's read a little bit about him. In verse 22, it says, And Benani, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. Also he went down and slew a lion in a pit on a snowy day. And he slew an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits high, and an Egyptian, uh, Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's bead, and he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, and had a name amongst the three mighties. You know, I, I read about this guy, and I just think he, he's definitely someone who had great courage. He was definitely someone who had great courage, especially going up against this Egyptian. It talks about him being five cubits high, a cubit being equal to either 18 or 21 inches. That's pretty tall, very tall. And he goes up to, against this Egyptian, and he takes his spear out of his hand, and he slays him with it. It mentions there in verse number 22 that he again slays a lion in a snowy day. He, he kills, again, in verse number 22, two lion lat men of Moab. This Benaniah, again, definitely a guy that's brave, honorable. Again, one who was willing to be in the battle. But I want you to notice here, and again, I think this connects again with our passage there in 1 Timothy, is that he was willing to follow in the footsteps of a valiant man. He was willing to follow in the footsteps of valiant men. The Bible mentions of him in verse 22, Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel. He was the son of Jehoiada, who was what? A valiant man. His dad was a valiant man. And he followed in the footsteps of a valiant man. We see this with Benaniah. He follows in the footsteps of his dad, who was a valiant man. It did many mighty acts. It says there he had done many acts. He slew two. He did this again to a lion. He slew an Egyptian. He again was an overcomer. He was a man who was valiant. How was he doing the will of God? He was following the footsteps of a valiant man. So we turn back to 1 Timothy chapter 1. I believe, again, Paul was a valiant man. He certainly was willing to be stoned, to be shipwrecked, to suffer violence, to, again, go through extreme persecution. 
and uh, he continued in the faith, and he was again encouraging his son in the faith to continue in the faith, just like he had continued in the faith. What America needs is people to step up into the faith that has been established by, again, uh, valiant men and virtuous women of the past and seek to be uh, like unto them, just like Benaniah was. And so as we get back to our passage there, we see, first of all, uh, Paul's advice to Timothy was to be someone who would contend for the faith. War a good warfare. That's what Paul wanted for Timothy. Secondly, he wanted him to be committed. Uh, we see this in verse number 19. Holding faith and a good conscience. Holding faith. Hold to the faith. Uh, again, there's people that are swerving from the faith, as it mentions there in verse number uh, 6. And there's some, again, who have shipwrecked the faith, verse number 19. And he wants them to, again, hold to the faith. In other words, don't leave the faith. Stick with the faith. Again, the Bible's heroes are ones that were willing to stick with their faith and stick to the battle, even if it meant their own death or their own demise. Let's turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. Some people, again, you know, when, when things get tough, they get packing. When it gets rough, they, they, they seek to go, etc. And again, I'm not making mention of anyone, but that's the reality. There's people that end up casually. There's some that swerve. There's some that stop. There's some that leave. There's some that just don't go on. And, and the reason for this is they're really not as committed, maybe, as they need to be or should be. Hold faith. Hold to the faith. Hold to a good conscience. These are things that Paul told Timothy. Second Samuel chapter 11, verse number 6. I want to read a little bit about Uriah. And I wanted to say that. I believe Uriah should be one of the heroes that you think about when it comes to the Bible. Because he was one who holded to his faith. There's Uriah here. She's smiling. It's spelled with an H. It's not you. No, just kidding. I'm just having a little fun with you. But I'm just saying Uriah. It is. It, he is one of my heroes. I like him as a hero because he's one, again, who's not willing to just sit on the battle, sit down and sit on the sidelines. It mentions here in verse number six, it says here, and, and David sent Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house and there followed him a mess of meat from the king, but Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of the Lord and went not down to his house. You know, he didn't want to get off the field. He didn't want to be off the battlefield. He wanted to continue on. Verse 10, it says, And when they told uh, David, saying, Uriah went not down to his house, David said unto Uriah, Came thou not from a journey? Why then did thou go down to thy house? And Uriah said unto David, The ark and Israel... And Judah, abide in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I go into my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife? As thou livest, as my soul liveth, I will not do this thing. And David said to Uriah, Tarry now here today also, and tomorrow I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and on the morrow. 
Romero had called them. He did eat and drink before him, and he made him drunk. And at that he went out to lie on his bed with his servants of the Lord, but went not down to his house. And it came to pass in the morning that uh, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it at the hand of Uriah. And he wrote a letter and said, saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire from him that he may be smitten and die. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew that valiant men were. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab and there fell some of the people of the servants of David and Uriah the Hittite died also. I think of Uriah, just plain committed, absolutely committed. Wasn't one of these guys that says, oh, so it's time to go and do this, that, or the other thing. And, and he just, he decides, you know, I've got an assignment and uh, my assignment is this. I'm coming home. I'm coming home because David told me to come home. And so I'm coming home. But as soon as I get a chance to go back into battle, I'm going to back into battle. As soon as he is assigned to a place where valiant men are, he doesn't say, you know, that's a scary place. I don't want to be there. No, he, he goes there. He dies there. He was committed. Committed to death. Not committed to retreat. Not committed to retire, not committed on a maybe surfacey kind of basis, but he had a deep-seated commitment to go beyond what he was called to do. He was willing to be put out, he was put up, and he wasn't going to pull away. He was going to continue to do what he was supposed to do. Jude says, and we've looked at this, and again, just want to mention this again, to earnestly contend for the faith. Uriah earnestly contended in the battle. And so we must be committed to overcome. We must strive to be committed. If our commitment, again, wavers or whatever it might be, it may uh, cause us, again, a need for us to maybe rest or retire or whatever it might be for a bit or time. But to get back into the combat zone, that was Uriah. He was willing to stick in the race and stick in the battle. Let's turn back to 1 Timothy Uh, chapter 1. The third thing that I see in Paul's advice to Timothy, and again, this is something, again, that I'm just going to consider here briefly here, and uh, was that uh, Timothy was to be cautious. He was to be cautious. And I mean by that, he was to make sure that he didn't end up with other, where other men ended up. It says there in verse number it says, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is of the faith, so do ye. So he wasn't supposed to get sidetracked with fables. He wasn't get sidetracked with genealogies. And uh, he says here in verse number five, it says, now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned from whom some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling. And uh, so again, he cautions him concerning the faith. They're, they're not to give heed to fables, things that aren't true. And again, if we're going to overcome, we have to be careful not to take and, and get sidetracked by things that aren't true. Fables are falsehoods, they're things that aren't true. And again, be, be involved with things that minister questions. Don't get involved with, again, I'm going to try to figure out everything that the Bible has to say and what it says and exactly this, that, or the other thing. 
you can certainly get sidetracked with that. But rather, it says uh, to be of a, a good conscience and having faith unswain, uh, un, unfeigned, and having uh, which some have swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling. And again, we need to be careful about things that might be vain, you know, things that might be empty, things that don't really matter to the Christian life. And so, again, to continue in the faith, we must be cautious. And, and Paul encourages Timothy, be cautious here. Be careful you don't give heed to things that you shouldn't give heed to. Be careful that you don't swerve here and turn aside to burn, uh, jang, uh, vain jangling. And then he mentions there in verse number uh, 19, he says, holding faith and a good conscience, which having some have put aside concerning faith, have made shipwreck. So be cautious. Paul encourages Timothy to be cautious. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. You know what? We be cautious. We be cautious concerning the faith that we follow, concerning the faith that we live out, concerning the faith that our children live out. We need to be cautious. We need to beware. We need to be careful that we don't turn aside to, to things that aren't true. We need to be careful that we don't, again, turn aside here as some have, as it mentions. Some have turned aside and some have put away concerning the faith. First Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He does devour some. Who are the some? Some that I believe aren't as cautious as maybe they could be. The Bible says, be sober, be serious, be vigilant, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is a royal lion, seeketh whom he may devour. That can be me, that can be you, that can be anyone. There are traps out there. There are temptations out there that we need to guard ourselves against. There are places that we need to go and places where we shouldn't go. There are friends and associations that can trip us up, that can cause us to stumble. There are teachers that can lead us astray. Turn to Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22. There are names and peoples on the internet. I just want to mention that, that you need to be cautious about. I won't give you any names right now, but there's some independent Baptists that I would stay clear of because of the doctrines and things that they might teach. There are Southern Baptists, there are evangelicals that you need to stay away from because of what they may teach you. You might swerve from the faith. You might shipwreck yourself when it comes to faith. So be careful there. Proverbs chapter 22, verse number 3, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but a simple man, uh, the simple pass on and punish. We are to be cautious. We are to use foresight. We are to hide ourselves. We are to flee from sinful lusts. We are to forsake, again, temptation. Overcomers have to be careful uh, what they see, what they do, what they hear, where they go. Who are their influencers? Let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. We're just about done here tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Just forward here a book in the Bible here. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse number 1 and verse number 2. You know, I believe Timothy turned out. As a son of the faith, he turned out. But he turned out as he was someone who was a contender. He was to get involved. He was to contend for the faith that was once given to the saints. He was committed. He was holding fast that faith that he was given to him by Paul 
and by Jesus Christ. And he was to be cautious. He was to be sober, vigilant, watchful, prayerful, and again, cautious concerning those who might cause him or others to swerve from the faith. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse number 1 and 2, the Bible says this, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. Be not rash with thy mouth. Let thine heart not be hasty to utter anything before God, for God is in heaven and thou upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. Keep thyself. The word keep is used in a number of places in the Bible, but it says keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. Keep thyself pure. Keep thy heart with all diligence. It's needful that we become Christians that carry on in the faith. How can we do this? We need to be a contender. We need to be committed. And we need to be cautious. Let's close as we consider the word of God here tonight.